You're listening to Transform Your Profits, the podcast for accountants who want to build a more profitable, successful, and impactful accounting firm. Your host is Reza Huda, a practice owner, mentor, and coach to accounting firm owners. Hello, hello. I hope you're doing well and I've had a good start to the day. So today I am pleased to have with me an incredible accountant with uh, an even more incredible story. He is Ben Steaker of Your E-Commerce Accountant. And in this interview with Ben, we're going to be talking about how he has managed to get some insane growth from starting his practice in 2019 and getting to nearly a million pounds of revenue in just three years. Absolutely astonishing, an incredible journey, and lots that we can learn from Ben's story. He is just the ripe age of 32. He's got a remote team now of 10 team members going from strength to strength. And it'll be no surprise for you to hear, well, certainly if you're a, a, a regular listener to the podcast, that uh, he puts a lot of his a lot of his success down to this one thing, which I'm not going to tell you now. You're going to have to get into the episode to hear it and appreciate it. But it's something that I have talked about time and time again. And hopefully, you know, you will you will take the lesson on board. If you haven't already done this one thing, then take it on board because it's happening time and time again that the accountants that I come across that have had the biggest success stories in terms of the fastest growth have come from practices and firm owners who have decided to do this one thing. So I'm going to put you out of your misery and we'll uh, we'll get straight into the interview where you can learn what one thing that Ben has done to take his practice from zero to a million pounds in just three years. Okay, well, enough from me and I'll see you on the other side. Take care. So let's uh, let's get things off. Hello, Ben. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm um, surviving the heat. We're not, I'm not, I'm not in Devon, I'm near in Somerset. So it's not raining here yet, but I'm hoping it is because my just re returfed my lawn and I need some rain desperately. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the time when we need to get out those hoses and start watering. That's what my wife told me two days ago. Um, and unfortunately I haven't, uh, I haven't done what I was supposed to do. So I'm kind of in the doghouse. Hey ho. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we can't win. And either it's too hot, or it's too cold. It's never just right for us here in the UK, is it? Okay. So Ben, uh, just to kick things off, tell us a little bit about you. Introduce yourself, your firm, and then we'll get on to your story. So over to you, Ben. So my name is Ben Staker and I'm the owner of Your E-Commerce Accountant. Um, it's an accountancy firm based 100% on targeting e-commerce customers who are selling on Amazon, Etsy, eBay and Shopify. So we, we've niched down very much so and they're the only companies we do touch. Um, you know, we started this, you know, in 2020 really improperly um, and it's just kind of really kicked off from there. Fantastic. So such, and I guess the, you know, the, the title of this session is from zero to 1 million in less than, in less than, uh, in less than three years, which is absolutely phenomenal. So take us, take us back to the beginning, uh, Ben, in terms of when you first set up, what's your background? How did you get into setting up your own practice? 
And did you decide early on in terms of the kind of clients that you wanted to attract? So I'm very interested to, to hear from you on that point in terms of how you got into practice and then what you actually did to win your first few clients and whether you actually specialized early on or not. Yeah, so I, I trained as an accountant as a, with ICAW and I went for the classic audit route um, and then into, you know, into a different practice after that. And I actually didn't like practice that much because I hated timesheets. You know, it was just kind of like a meat grinder and I didn't like it at all. Um, so I went into industry for a bit and I, I saw that the way industry tackle things is uh, a lot more different. It's focused on process improvement and you can really um, learn a lot by going into industry from an accounting background. And, you know, three years in, I was, I was head of finance of uh, in, in uh, a company and I thought, you know what, I'm... I'm I think I can I can do this. I can implement tools and technology for other small businesses, and that's going to be my focus. So that was my focus. It's very vague. It was called your cloud accountant. So very much everyone, you know, and he was going to focus on kind of building that kind of tech stack to say that we're gonna this is going to help you do the bookkeeping. It's going to help you do your accounts, and we, we're going to go from there. Obviously, that was way too vague. So getting a client was difficult because I didn't really, I couldn't really talk to them properly in, in the marketing spiel. So it was like, okay, just come in. I'm doing accounting. I'm doing technology. Great. That's not really going to cut it. So it, it, it was a kind of a slog at the start. And I started realizing I, I was talking to clients who were selling on Amazon, Etsy, and eBay. And I found the conversation was just so easy and I knew exactly what they were struggling with because I, I used to be an e-commerce seller um, basically before I was an accountant. I used to sell for probably since the age I was 15, selling like RAM on the internet and things like that. So I kind of knew what the game was for Amazon, Etsy and Shopify. And it meant that I could talk to clients properly and say, actually, this is what you're struggling with. And this is how I can help you. And it turned into something where actually, you know, I was enjoying it more. I was getting more traction. And it was basically an e-commerce accounting firm. And I just absolutely went full hog and rebranded to your e-commerce accountant. Brilliant. And how far in were you to your journey when you did that? I did it really quick. I, I kind of believe in the mentality of, you know, failing fast. If it's not working, sort it out, basically, because you can spend a year, um, you know, just messing about but actually yeah, it was probably about six to eight months in I realized I need to just re-pivot completely into what is working there's no point trying to be everything to everyone um so it, it was something which you know I, I knew I needed to act on okay and, and it was that just because you had quite a few e-commerce clients and you were finding that they're the ones that you got traction with and they're the ones you were winning and they're the ones that you added most value to that led you to think actually I could do with more of these and it's much easier to work with this client or was there something else? Was there someone that, something that you heard or someone else that you saw, or was it just that kind of natural instinct to say, yes, this is working. I can see it's working. I'm going to do more of it and go all in on this particular niche. Yeah, I think, I think that's it. So I, I think we, when we started talking to people, it was clear that I could talk to e-commerce businesses really easily. And it meant that I could sell them really easily. Not only that, they're already online. So our offering is 100% online. All our staff are work from home before the pandemic as well. So we, we were really well set up to take on the pandemic. And as the pandemic started, we had re-pivoted to your e-commerce accountant. And it, it just went 
nuts. It, 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 you know, people are just going online, finding their account, and there are more open to get an account online and there are e-commerce businesses anyway who wanted someone who is specialized in their platforms anyway so it just kind of really suited and i think i think it was mostly instinct that i moved over because it was easier i understood it and but i felt i could add more value as well it just felt like i was helping them out more than any other kind of segment mm. Absolutely. And this is music to my ears because this is stuff that I talk to accountants all the time, because one of the big challenges is how do we find new business? How do we get new clients? And everybody does a thing of trying to appeal to everyone. But as I always say, when you appeal to everyone, you actually appeal to no one. And it's only when you kind of niche down and specialize and get clear on who it is that you want to attract that you start to generate the inquiries that you really want. Because, you know, what is this? There's no point being, you know, uh, something to everyone. You want to be everything to someone. And marketing is simply about, like you say, getting inside the conversation that's happening in someone's mind. And you can only do that if you're very clear on who you serve. You decided to pick the e-commerce accountants because you dealt with quite a few of them. You yourself were an e-commerce seller. So like you say, you understood the problems and challenges that they had and were able to position yourself as someone that can solve their problems. And that's what you know being an accountant is all about. It's about problem solving. And our marketing has to be addressed to the problems that people are facing because let's face it, people aren't just randomly going browsing accountants' websites and looking at accountant stuff on LinkedIn. They only take action when they are in pain. So we need to get better at articulating what is the problem that's causing that pain. And when we lead with the problem, we're more likely to get people to take notice of our message when they are looking, when they are in pain, because they can see that we can solve that problem for them. So, so that's great that you kind of decided to do that early on. And really that's helped you to get the success that you have in such a short space of time. So talk to me about that journey. You know, how do you go from, you know, just starting up, making the pivot in the pandemic in, you know, 2020 to now hitting nearly a million turnover by, you know, within less than three years? What's your journey? Kind of year one, year two, year three. How did you handle such such fast-paced growth, you know, in terms of the the challenges that you would have, the team, the software, you know, talk to us about some of the critical things that you did to manage that growth and how fast did that growth come from year one, year two, uh, and so on. Yeah, I think, so, so, so year one, you know, pretty slow is about getting those systems together. I was doing most of it. It was all me. I was adding all the value and I wasn't really outsourcing it to anyone in terms of anyone in the team. And at that you kind of get to a point in that kind of year one, you know, you've got about a hundred clients and you think, you know, I'm, you know, what I, I need to, I need to do something or else I'm not going to be able to scale and I can't scale properly unless I hire people. And I think, again, it's kind of like thinking, anticipating the demand and hiring people before it becomes an issue mm. because there's, there's crunch points, especially around year, year one, there was, you know, a crunch point in terms of like, I just I couldn't answer a lot of these emails because of the volume. Some were just silly little admin ones when actually I could get someone else to do that. Um, and so I, I, what I did is I kind of went through um, what I did uh, uh, in the practice and just slowly created job roles and almost outsourced everything to team members. You know, we don't outsource uh, obviously overseas, but we, we get team members in the UK. Um to kind of do the bookkeeping element, to do the accounting element. And then I'm there adding value to maybe like a, a more nuanced conversation or doing like a thought leadership piece. 
on uh, you know new legislation um, and things like that. So I think the, the crux point was year one. I think we we scaled really well during the pandemic, and again it kind of got to the point where I was doing too much again, and that was down to me not letting go and going, oh no, only I can do this. And actually, by the time we it was halfway through the pandemic, and I thought, you know what, either I need to stop doing this or I need to think of something else. And and what we did was, you know, we implemented uh, like a, a customer service email, which actually is run by like software like Zendesk and, and Fresh De- uh, Fresh Fresh Desk, isn't it? The one. Mm. And so, so it means everyone in the team can answer. We can then pivot. You know, if I can't answer that, someone can just pass it on. And it, it becomes really efficient um, at answering queries. Um, and obviously the workflow started, we started creating workflows and center and things like that, which is annoying that centers, I think who they've been bought by, they've been bought by Iris, haven't they? Iris. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's gonna be annoying or not, because they're gonna make their own solution. I don't know if I have to redo all my automation, <laughs> I've kind of got that up. But, but we, we focused heavily on automating the workflows and making it work for us. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of, I kind of let it, when I first got it, I, I just had it as a, as a standalone piece, you know, where you kind of just, you, it creates a task for you. And we soon found that we just need to not redo it all, but, but, but kind of go through those workflows so that there's a clear responsibility where I need to step in and where team members need to step in. Mm. And I think we're now at the point where I am still heavily involved, probably in sales and marketing, and, and that this is the last piece of the puzzle, which I want to kind of get off my desk and, and and then I can focus on other things. But that's that's the last piece I'm in there. And I, you know, I quite enjoy that anyway, but I understand to scale further, I need to step back again from the sales and marketing aspect. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a typical kind of uh, thing that we see in terms of, you know, when we start out the practice, we, you know, we're doing everything and we're reluctant to let go because we don't feel that anyone else can do it better than we can. But if you really want to actually be an entrepreneur and be that business owner rather than just a technician, then it's the absolutely the thing that we have to do. We have to be able to let go and give our team the support, the coaching, the processes that they need to be able to do it to the standard that you would expect. And that's how, you know, that's when workflows and process notes and all those things that we can put in place to make sure that it's done to the level that we would expect it and there's great tools out there that allow us to do that so great that you kind of did that early on what is the when when did you actually make your first hire then what kind of level of turnover were you at where you started making your first hire and then subsequent hires because you've got a team of 10 now so within a couple of years you've gone from zero to a team of 10 talk me through that journey as to when you made your first hire and then subsequent hires and what level of turnover were you at yeah, so I think the first level of turnover is around 100k turnovers when we got our first hire in, maybe a bit earlier than that. Um, and the decision was like, yes, I'll have less profit in the short term, but by in two months' time, it'll be absolutely fine as long as I, you know, as long as the kind of marketing goes how I think it's going to go. And then really from there in, it was every three months we we'd add a new head, and it, it's it's the most challenging thing is 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 filling those roles, especially before the pandemic was easy. That's when we had our first hires. When the pandemic happened, it was kind of, and, and after, it, it, it's become really hard actually to attract decent staff at the moment. So we, we're basically always recruiting. So we have to always have a job advert out there. We, we have to be interviewing uh, candidates all the time. Um, so yeah, I think 
that's the, the the biggest challenge we've had but it's every three months we hire and and it's kind of like you know two junior accountants then one senior accountant kind of thing that's the kind of formula we, we go with just so it's not too either top focus where they're, they're managing too many members of staff you know it's, it's quite a nice you know five-man teams kind of going at it okay so you're so yeah talk to me about your structure then so you've got how many senior accountants and how many junior accountants and do they can they then handle is it like a pod where they handle a portfolio yeah. of clients between them so we have you know two senior accountants and they then handle three uh junior accountants who do do basically everything for the client and then the senior accountant does the corporation tax annual accounts and then i review those um and the way we allocate it is is, is a new client comes in and i just look at the workload of each each group and then I allocate it to that group and, and we kind of look at the obviously the VAT uh deadlines to make sure that it's not too stacked on, on on certain months. Um and that that's really it. I think the next stage is to kind of get that accountant manager to kind of then start doing the reviewing process as well. Hmm. Fantastic. Good stuff. And so again, just focusing more on this uh recruitment which is again huge challenge for many accountants uh, out there with the how do we find new clients you know how do we get good staff how do we attract the best talent how have you got you know what what kind of uh, what avenues have worked for you in finding good people which continues to be a challenge for well not just accountants but most businesses yeah. to recruit i actually find it harder getting staff than getting clients i think it's easy yeah. to kind of get clients because we've got the engine if you've got your marketing engine built it's easy to get the clients and start talking to them and finding them. And then when you when you look for staff, it, it's actually a lot harder because, you know, it's almost you're doing a marketing job again. You know, you're trying to sell to someone why they should come over to you and why, you know, maybe they should leave their current firm and join us. And I think initially, you know, I tried to go on Indeed and you know, traditional uh, sites, but also, you know, posting a job on LinkedIn. And, you know, we get some people, but you know, they weren't really the right people. So I just kind of flipped it around. I just went on LinkedIn and started, you know, messaging a lot of people uh, directly saying, oh, hi, you know, we've got this opportunity, we, you know, it'd be great to see if we could chat, see if we could, you know, uh, talk about coming over to us. So if I've been messaging your your staff that's my fault, sorry. Um, <laughs> so I've just, yeah, I've, I've just basically been doing the job of a recruiter rather than um either we, we don't outsource the recruitment we, you know it's really key that we know who we're, we're dealing with mm, amazing so uh, yeah talk to me a bit more about that then the intricacies of, of how are you doing that did you get uh, linkedin's um the what the sales navigator tool the recruiter tool yeah. or did you kind of because you've got a remote team right so i guess your your people are all across the uk did you kind of just search for accounts assistance and then just start connecting yeah. and direct messaging uh, anyone that took your fancy that's it. So, so we, we've got Sales Navigator. Um, I'm just seeing yeah, all, my, all my stuff are UK based, by the way. Just a comment there. But um, we are on Sales Navigator, and obviously, I've got the pick of the bunch then because I think it's national. Mm. And really, it used to be that if I said remote, people would bite my hand off. Now everyone's basically <laughs> remote or offer some kind of hybrid working. That actually, it's harder for us to kind of attract people over. So, you know, we've we've had to pay you know a higher rate to to get the right staff. But no, we go on Sales Navigator, put in, say, their job titles, assistant, accountant, junior accountant, senior accountant, working in accounting practice, who's been active on LinkedIn for 
last two weeks or wherever it is and then we just go, go through the list and message them and say hi i love your profile and it's about you know it's not just about you know sending spam out there you know you read their profile and, and and actually comment on it and make sure that you know they're the right fit and i've approached you because of this reason mm. and, and actually we got a good uh, good response rate and you know even if it was like oh i'm not looking right now but thank you i'd rather that than just like a blank inbox where we just sent out a random email saying do you want to work for us don't care who you are absolutely and i guess you know and and what what are your kind of uh conversion rates as it were how many people would you have to message to to get on a call with someone and is it just you doing that uh you know how much, i guess that takes up all the time right yeah so it's obviously not me who kind of sits there and talks those initial connections and messages i've got um say admin staff who, who who do that and you know i just kind of show them what i want them to do and they mm -hmm. go off and do it um but then when, when it comes to talking to them it's all me but the, the conversion rate is bad you know <laughs> it takes about 50 people before you, you have a real conversation a good conversation with someone yeah um so it's really it is intensive and i you know and i think you have to put the effort in to get that right person because it's such a high risk that you know especially working remotely you need to be able to trust this person from day one and it's it's not something where i can have them in the corner of the office and i, I know if they're not if they're struggling if they're not communicating i'll know i need to trust them from day one to communicate to say when they're struggling to raise their hand when they need support and things like that so it, 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 it i had to talk to a lot of people before we got the right right staff yeah that, that that's so true we need to we need to approach recruiting the same way that we approach prospecting for clients for our accounting firm you know we need to make sure that we are projecting ourselves in a way that we are marketing our firm and how we are and how we operate to prospective uh, prospective um, staff prospective employees because there's a there's a shortage of supply you know you've got to make your workplace an attractive proposition for someone to want to move to you just like you've got to make your value proposition for prospective clients to want to move away from their current accountant to you so we have to focus on things like you know getting clear on who you serve and having an online presence and being active on social media and talking about your culture and all that kind of thing is is absolutely paramount if we want to get the cream de la creme and the the, the, the best crop that's out there in terms of talent for our accounting firm so hey just a quick break to tell you about a tool i use that has helped us to save hours and enable me to create a pricing system incorporating all the stuff that i've learned about value pricing over the years that tool is called go proposal what i love about it is that we can build the price in person with the prospect and then with a click of a button send them the proposal and engagement letter instantly during the meeting that's literally saved us hours of time from how we used to do it before. Not only that, but also because I can build pricing models in the software, anyone in my team can now have pricing conversations and send proposals to prospects and clients that has helped to free me up to do things that I love, like creating this podcast for you. If you're not already using it, I recommend you check it out. Talk to me about some of the, what are some of the, the angles, the tactics that you use in terms of your questioning, your interview process, you know, what are the things that you believe is the reason why people come to you and want to work for your firm and move away from where they are at to see if, you know, we can take some practical takeaways for others to incorporate into their processes? Yeah, I think for me, I'm a, 
I go through my, my my interview technique is basically telephone screen a call where I just make sure they're a normal human being, um, and that we could work together and that we have a you know conversation for 10, 15 minutes. Um, and then once they've got past that stage, it's like a Teams interview, you know, Zoom, and we have a chat. And I try and make it as conversational as possible. I don't like, I don't really like the. Tell me a time when you did some really good accounting. You know, I'm not, I'm not gonna do that. But you know, what makes them tick? What do they really enjoy? What didn't they like about their last role? Why did, why, why are you thinking of moving? You know, what is it about us that you, you like? And then we can start talking about how and we work, how it can work for you, how we can do flexible working, but also we can invest. We're not just doing remote team where we send out work and you do it, you send it back. You know, we're gonna invest. In you, if you want to continue doing, say, AAT or ACCA, you can continue uh, moving. And, and because it's so niche that you kind of build up a knowledge base, there's no reason why, you know, new um, staff junior accountants can't become senior accountants, senior accountants can't become accounting managers. So it's a, it's a great um, way of just, just kind of just talking to them, really, and just getting to know them as a person um, and, and working on that basis rather than say, you know, doing the transactional, uh, what, tell me a time when you did this. And I just don't think when, when you need to trust them to work from home and, and to communicate, I think the key thing is, do they get on with me? Do they get on with the members of the team? Um, will they fit in really? Yeah, fantastic. And what do you hear in terms of the reasons why they agreed to come aboard with you? What do you feel that you have that others don't let people then you know accept your offer to come on board with them and then stay with you I, I think it's the flexibility that we offer i think originally the staffing plan was you know this is like 2019 the staffing plan was always going to be remote and that was because you had a lot of people who kind of especially in the accounting and bookkeeping sector who kind of leave the the workplace to have their children or look after you know grandparents and accounting places aren't, weren't very friendly places for remote, remote work. Um, and, I, you know, we thought that was a great way of getting really highly skilled people, maybe part time working flexibly to return to the workplace without having to abandon their commitments at home. And then the pandemic happened and they kind of caught up with us and everyone, everyone kind of did it. Um, but, but what we still kind of say is like, look, we're flexible. We're flexible before the pandemic. We're going to continue to be flexible. We're never going to ask you to come in, you know, and it's not, not about hybrid working. It's just about trusting you as a person and you getting on with it. And I think the key thing, which a lot, a lot of people like, and I think a lot of people hate about accounts and firms is timesheets. We don't have timesheets. I think they're just a waste of time. I remember when I did a timesheet when I was in practice and then, you know, you look at it again and think the partners changed this to eight hours of admin randomly just to keep his fees down or something. And you're like, well, that's not, why, why do the timesheet then if you change it? So I, I just thought they were stupid. I thought the, Timesheets are just a horrible kind of metric to kind of measure success. Um, you know, we, I think and people like that. I think people like the trust. If, you know, I'm, I'm there trusting you. I'm not, you know, recording your screen. I'm not doing anything like that. And I think really people really appreciate that. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. Again, music to my ears. Yeah, timesheets, absolutely waste of time. You know, if, you, if you've made them up, then what's the point relying on them? And uh, yeah, people's, people's worth is not limited to the hours that they clock on the timesheet, which most of the time are made up anyway. So yeah, it's a, it's a great point you made there about, about the trust. And that's really important. You know, people want to be able to be trusted 
in the workplace and the work that they are that they are doing to be to be able to have that self direction, that autonomy, together with the accountability of what's expected to them, to then you know work towards something that's improving their skill set where they're learning every day and they have you know a team around them that they can lean on that uh, they're adding value to you know that that's what kind of our team members want so fantastic that you are creating that culture which helps to attract the best talent and retain your high performers by maximizing everyone's potential okay so if you've got any questions uh, put them in the comments and I will put them to Ben here's one coming in from Marzuk on Facebook what does your tech stack look like E-commerce is a lot of uh, complex moving parts. Do you recommend any particular software and tools for managing inventory and integrating with zero? Right, yeah, here, here, that's the main question. So um, for e-commerce, obviously you've got all the platforms, Amazon, Etsy, eBay, Shopify, they all act slightly differently. Amazon being the most complex one. And you have got software available out there. You've got Link My Books, you've got A2X and as good as they are, they're, they're, they're aimed at, say, the DIY market where someone will, will want to, you know, have zero and then just have it all oh, automate this so I don't have to have a bookkeeper. And what that means is that when it comes to reconciling it, and especially when it comes to, to, to HMRC, it's almost impossible to then use that data to, to prove, to review or whatever. And, it, it, you know, we moved away from those kind of um, DIY software features and we've created our own software which connects into amazon uh, and, and and kind of outputs it how an accountant would want to see it so you know like a sales listing a selling fees listing an advertising listing and then a payout listing so you can reconcile it to cash um so we we've had to basically create our own software to deal with this um and they the, you know we, the, the key thing is we use quickbooks and zero we don't really we don't lean on either one so we basically have to do our own thing um for other things like shopify etsy and ebay we actually connect into their stores directly uh and we pull it out directly because again it's one month report per month um it's a lot easier than trying to reconcile some automated software which does it weekly and you know you, you have to basically run the software again Sorry, the, the reports again to check that the software has got everything in it. It's not that sometimes the software will miss it or they haven't, or it's wrong because they've not set it up right. So we ended up doing a lot of things manually. And then where it wasn't, didn't make sense to make, be manual, we've actually created our own software. So it, 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 it can, it is difficult to kind of get it right. And I think the key thing of all these things is learn to do it yourself first. So manually. So if, if you want if you want to get into Amazon and start selling to people on Amazon, um, learn how to download the date range report and back transactions report and do it yourself before you start outsourcing things. Um, because if you don't know how to then review the software, what what good are you? And I think I think that's that, that was the key thing we found. And actually, when when we talk to clients, they feel a lot better that we've created our own software and we kind of we are like the the forerunners, the front runners, if you know what I mean. Mm, uh, absolutely. And again, that is another beauty and advantage of getting crystal clear on who you serve. Because you just serve e-commerce businesses, 
you've got more incentive to go out and find solutions for those businesses to make your life easier. So you know you can add a lot of value to them because you understand their problems and challenges. You then know you've got all of these clients to deal with and the current off-the-shelf products aren't great at you being able to efficiently service them. So because you're only dealing with those type of clients, you can invest time and money in finding a solution, creating your own software that's going to generate so much more in terms of efficiency for you going forward. And, and that's how we generate profitability. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a simple equation in terms of how can we maximize profit? Well, we basically can, we, we charge as much as we can, and that comes from knowing who we serve because that's how we add most value. And then on the other end, you know, how can we make our processes as efficient as possible so that what comes out at the end is as big as possible? So that's fantastic that you've been able to do that. So talk us through kind of your journey. How did you, you know, how did you suddenly realize and how did you kind of get onto that track of, right, we need to create on our own software? What did you do? Did you have any developer contacts that you went to? Did you have a, a developer kind of a skill set? You know, talk us through a little bit about that. Yeah, so, so it, it kind of became evident that the software solutions we were using just weren't really working for us anymore because we were getting to the point where we we're so good at it that we knew exactly what it should be telling us. And it ended up us going and doing a lot of things manually where we didn't need to. So at that point, you think, well, what do I do here? They've got an API which we can connect into. And I think, you know, we I set out to use a tech stack to basically handle a lot of the work. And if it's not doing that, then I'm not really hit my my goals and I, I just reached you know reached out to someone who is a, a developer and I said look this is what I want and I kind of did a lot of the research on the API myself I'm not a developer myself but I did a lot of the research and I knew what elements I needed to get out and I kind of wireframed it in Excel and I said this is how I want to output it um and uh once I've done the wireframe, I said, look, go, go and build it. And it, it it built it, we worked together and we built something which actually is, is very usable. Um, and uh, and it actually works for our whole client base and it works exactly how we want to do it as accountants. So I think that's mm. really what we wanted. But it was, um, it's a lot of hours. It still is a lot of hours. We're still developing it, you know, rolling out Shopify, Etsy and eBay into that software. Um, and it's really finding those hours in the day where I can sit down and, and kind of review the software with the developer. You know, it's late nights, um, a lot of testing. Uh, yeah, it's less glamorous than you think. Mm, but it's all well worth it, right? Because it's going to make your processes a lot more efficient. It's going to be tailored to exactly your custom workflows. So it's definitely going to be worth it in the long run. And of course, now that you've got a product that other accountants can use, it can be another income stream for you as well so if you're listening i'm sure i think ben has has a product that he's looking to now roll out to other accountants so watch this space because i'm sure that will be coming soon from ben so uh thank you julian so next question from julian could you let us know what marketing channels have worked in particular for you so yeah so it, it, it's difficult to say which ones work for each niche but for e-commerce you know, what we did was I looked at, say, the kind of Google rankings, and I, you know, kind of did an assessment on how competitive it was. And actually at the time it wasn't very competitive. So I thought, let's just, let's just focus on SEO and organic traffic along with some PPC. So what we did was the PPC for the first, well, we still do it, but not to 
put 90% PPC in the first year or two, as we were spending a lot of money on SEO to get us to page one and all the all the kind of key terms. Um, and because we've invested so much money into that SEO and got up there with content, you know, we did content, we did outreach, we did um, backlinks, uh, we created a decent website, we made it so you could go on the website and book a, a call on Calendly really easily. You could ask me a question. Uh, it's a free consultation with an accountant. It's not just some sales bot who's going to kind of force down a solution you don't necessarily need. Um, and yeah, really, so it's, it's really just that, that, that we kind of set it all up just so people can come in directly We've got, and, and it's, it's worked really well. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. And I always say once, once you get crystal clear on the, who you serve, then the what's where and how to find your ideal clients becomes so much easier. If you just did see SEO and you're a generalist accountant, you're going to find it hard pushed to get any meaningful results. If you were just trying to rank for accountant in Southampton or accountant in London, then you're going to get pretty crappy results from SEO because the kind of people who are searching those search terms aren't the greatest of clients. They're the kind of clients who want something for nothing. But once you've got crystal clear on your niche, so someone actually typing in e-commerce accountant means that they value working with a specialist. When they know they're talking to a specialist, they're going to be prepared to pay more. So absolutely, SEO works when you are crystal clear on your niche and when you're creating valuable content for your niche and you get to become an authority and a credible source for that particular niche, then things like SEO and Facebook ads can work wonders. But in the absence of actually getting crystal clear on who you serve and being a specialist and niching down, it's just going to be hot air and noise. You're going to throw good money after bad. So uh, thanks for sharing that uh, with us, Ben. And the question coming in from Neil, do you find that outbound marketing has led to clients who might not fit your ideal profile? I'm not sure you've done outbound marketing, have you? If you've just, if you've just done a, a, a SEO, have you done any outbound marketing? Outbound being, define it, just so I know. Yeah, I mean, in my mind, uh, maybe Neil, I think you mean inbound marketing. Because uh, it sounds because that's what Ben was talking about, kind of generating inbound leads by the value you're putting out there. So by putting out, you know, blog posts and all that kind of good stuff on your website, you are putting value out in the world for inquiries to come into you as opposed to outbound, which is having to prospect, going to find clients, going out hunting for new business as opposed to, you know, planting the seeds and uh, and letting people come to you. So I guess let's, let's answer it on that, from that perspective. Assume yeah. that you meant inbound. Has that led to clients coming in that might not fit your ideal profile? Yeah, well, the great thing is, is one, if you know, several things really. So one is when they come in, um, they, they're normally typing Amazon accountant or e-commerce accountant. So they're basically qualified themselves. Okay. So they're already qualified lead. They then go on the website, they're looking at, yeah, this is what I want because it's very clear about what we serve. Um, and then they book a call and they have to leave a description in terms of what they want to call about. Um, so I know exactly what they want. Um, when we come to the call, so then it actually means that most, if 90% of people, 99% of people who booked the call is already pre-qualified and actually mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, it means that there's no, uh, not ideal fit. You know, someone's not an ideal fit when they come in and say, look, I've had three accountants the last three years and they're all doing it wrong. You know, they're probably ones to avoid. Um, but in terms of, you know, mar market, that's, we never really get any kind of, um people who don't fit the profile but before before we kind of niche down yeah we did we got oh hi i'm doing a charity 
no, sorry, we don't do that. Joe, we used to do that, but before we niched absolute down in all the marketing. Um, or paid versus organic, I think he's, he's qualified this. Uh, so okay. paid versus organic. So again, with the paid stuff, we're bidding on the same term we're ranking on. We're not we're not bidding on anything um, which we know is not a money term. You know, we're not we're not there yet. We don't need to do that yet. I think we you know, we're bidding. We're ranking, say number one, number two on e-commerce accountant. And we're also paying for that term as well, just to make sure we're all over the place. And you'll find that the better you are at SEO, the lower you'll pay for that click. So if you start bidding on it, it'll be 20 quid per click, whereas it would be two pounds for me because I'm already, Google have already seen that I'm relevant and they want people to click on that link. They want their advertisers uh, to be relevant. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so much you can do to kind of generate that organic traffic for SEO working with a you know specialist who kind of understands the the placement of terms and headings and uh, answering the questions that people are putting into Google to make sure your content is ranking and then it's all about just putting fuel on the fire once you see stuff that's working then throwing money on it will just help it work better so yeah absolutely but it all happens once you get clear on the who get clear on the who the what how and where to find them will become so much easier so if you've got any questions for Ben we've got a couple of minutes left Put them in there. I'll take one more question if we have. Uh, otherwise, Ben, what's kind of what, what's kind of the one or the so the top three lessons that you have learned from running your practice that you can share with the audience in you know the short time that you have been running your practice? What what do you think has kind of helped you to to get you know the phenomenal growth that you have and getting to a million pounds in less than three years? I think I think find, finding a niche, but then finding a niche which has got legs. There's no point saying, you know, I'm going to go for a niche, which is, you know, I don't know what, what it would be, cricket cricket clubs, even though that's probably quite a good one, actually. But, you know, I mean, so, so which is people won't want to spend money on that, that it's not high growth. Go for a decent niche. Think about something which you enjoy doing that you can talk about and that you can add value to and then absolutely double down on it. So then say, you know, everything about it. Don't just stop at the accounting go deeper into how they market, what they want, um, who they're talking to, who their customers are, and really just kind of nail down that niche. And I think once you get to that point, you could be quite bad at marketing and still get people who ring ring up and then you kind of wow them with all the knowledge you've got on that topic and like, I need to work with you. And I think that's that we never really, I never really say, oh, by the way, you can buy from us. We always let people say, you know, let's sign up because we want to wow them on the call um, and go from there. And we do that because we didn't so niche down and we know our stuff. I think the other one would be, I did this alone. It's quite lonely uh, to, to, to have an idea and then to go at it full hog. You'll hear people say that won't work or I, I don't know what you want about, or, you know, people like your friends, your family, they don't understand it. And you kind of need to have that kind of self-assuredness to go for it without wasting all your money if it doesn't work. So I think that that was the one thing it's, it's quite a lonely place. Um, and two is just anticipate demand. If you can anticipate demand by putting systems in there, make your job redundant, get staff in at the right times, you, you're going to, you're going to be able to scale quickly without too many teething issues. Fantastic. Some real gems there. So if you're listening, take heed of Ben's advice on how he has managed to scale and grow his firm as quick as he has done the importance of niche and specializing i hope 
you know, it's uh, again, sometimes you've got to hear something over and over again quite a few times before it really sinks in. So, yeah, it may have had it from me and it's gone over your head, and now you're hearing it again from someone else who's actually made it work in their practice. So, you know, take heed of this advice from people who are actually doing it and it's actually working. So, if you're struggling to grow, if you're struggling to win business for your accounting firm, then this is definitely an area that you need to focus on getting clear on the who because then the rest will become so much easier. Brilliant. Thank you very much, uh, Ben, for sharing your some time with us today and uh, sharing some insights from your journey. If people want to get in touch with you, want to reach out to you, perhaps for to find out about you know the e-commerce solution that you have when you start rolling it out, where should they go? So obviously, you can add me on LinkedIn. And that's just just Google my name. I'm, I'm the only person I think in the world of my name because <laughs> I think it's made up. Um, but yeah, go, go on my name, go on LinkedIn, add me. But there's also some free e-commerce training we've got, which is if you go to www.ecomledger.co.uk, you can find some free e-commerce training and that will take you through how to do Amazon manually. So then you can then think about how you can serve clients. Um, maybe you've got a client who is got a shop and they've got an Amazon business and you're a bit worried that maybe you don't know what to do on Amazon. Go there, get the free training um, and then we'll, we'll We'll hopefully be rolling out that that software solution very shortly as well. Fantastic, brilliant! Thank you for sharing that, uh, Ben. Feel free to pop that link in the in the comments, Ben. So if someone watching this on replay will get to see it, and other people can go directly to it. So if you're if you have watched it on replay and you've enjoyed it, give us a thumbs up. If you've attended today and enjoyed it, again, thumbs up. If you're listening on the podcast, hope you've enjoyed the takeaways from today's episode. If you're not already in our Facebook group, come and join the Transform Your Profits Facebook group, as you can see over there in the top corner. And if you're not already subscribed to the podcast, then get subscribed because there's uh, two episodes dropping there every single week, value-packed content for you if you are an accountant, practice owner on your own. The second best content I put out after my paid mentoring program. So get onto that if you're not already. So thank you very much for your time today. Take care and uh, I'll catch up with you on the next episode. Thanks again, Ben. Take care and speak to you soon. Ben, thanks a lot.
I hope you got value from that episode. And if you want to spend more time together, where we go deeper on topics like pricing, marketing, sales, building a team and processes so you can build a firm that is less reliant on you, then come and join the TYP Mentoring Community. It's my membership program where I deliver practical mentoring sessions from my personal experience of building my practice and share resources that I have created and use in my firm so you don't have to reinvent the wheel and waste time and money making mistakes like I did. There's an amazing community of 100 plus accountants that you get to meet every week, share challenges, best practices, and use the power of the group to shortcut your learnings. Go to resahooda.com forward slash mentoring to find out more. Thank you for listening. For more free content, videos, and resources, visit www.rezahuda.com. And if you haven't already, come and join the community in our Transform Your Profits Facebook group, where we support each other to build more successful, profitable, and impactful accounting firms.